is Green Men Radio with Adam Forsyth and Ryan Sullivan. Brought to you by Pastime Sports and Games. I think they're hilarious, so I don't want to say I want to go to the box, but, uh, you know, maybe there'll be a confrontation there that's pretty funny. I like it, but you've gone too far. Show a little class. If the glass wasn't there, would you do it? I don't think so. We get some chuckles on the bench when we look over and we see them, uh, you know, upside down on the glass. They're pretty comedic and and, uh, it's pretty funny. We simply have had enough of looking at the rear ends and their crotches. They've been more than a pain in the neck to almost every team that has played here. Smarten up. You look like jerks. They're good guys. Don't be mean. Be green. Son of a bitch. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the very first ever episode of Green Men Radio right here on Sportsnet 650. I'm Adam Forsyth, joined as always by Ryan Sullivan. So I guess this means the secret is out. Uh, the two idiots right here, the two idiots you saw in green spandex. We've we've exposed parts of our body to the world that many people never want to see. Yes, that that is true. And generally when you're down by the ice, you got to be pretty careful with what you're showing off. A lot of people still, they're like... They asked me, did you wear a jog? It, looked, it didn't look like it. I was like, yeah, yeah, I guess we can reveal the secret. You got to wear something. It's cold down there. Yeah, you can't go down by the rink with no jock and just spandex. You're getting booted immediately. It took us all the 40 seconds of the, our own radio show to talk jocks. Well, wow. Sportsnet Radio. I love it. <laughs> uh, welcome to the show, buddy. Uh, we've been wanting to do this for a while. I missed you, man. Uh, Green Man Retirement wasn't sitting well. And I no. figured, why not reach out to my buddy, Ryan Sullivan, and... Let's, let's talk some hockey. Let's cue it up, buddy. It's been far too long. Uh, yeah, I'm excited. And, you know, it, it's it's a culmination. It's nice and fitting because coming up next month is the 10-year anniversary of our very first game at it, Rogers Arena. That blows my mind. I know. It's ridiculous. It's 10 years, and it's the 50th season of the Canucks. Um, it just felt right. So, yeah, the, the good people here at Sportsnet 650, uh, they offer us a little bit of airtime. Still not really sure why they did that. Yeah. And we're going to have fun. We have 10 episodes lined up throughout the season. So when the Canucks are not playing on Wednesdays, we will be on air on Sportsnet 650 from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. 10 episodes lined up. And pretty much we're just going to talk hockey and we're going to line up a bunch of awesome guests throughout the show, throughout the season. Uh, Tonight, no different. We have a couple of great interviews lined up. JT Miller of the Canucks. He is our first ever guest on Green Man Radio. Not TJ. Not TJ Miller, not the comedian. Although we should get him on too, though. He's pretty good. Should try that. Star of Yogi Bear 3D. (laughs) Just saying. That is true. And then our second guest in our back hour of the show is Theo Fleury. I mean, that's JT Miller and Theo Fleury. Are you kidding me? I know. Uh, I mean, I I think a lot of kids these days becoming huge JT Miller fans growing up uh, watching this guy. Hopefully they'll be growing up watching him for years to come and connect colors. But, I mean, you and I, we grew up during the Theo and Fleury days. I mean, the guy was unbelievable, especially Western Canada. This guy was painted all over the place. Obviously, we have a... A, a, a bit of an affinity for the hometown Canucks, but when it comes to Theron Fleury, the guy is a legend, so so stoked to talk to this guy. It was a great chat. So, yeah, plenty of guests throughout the season. Tonight's episode, we'll do a bit of a Twitter Q&A. Throw it out to the folks. If you guys want to ask a, uh, a question, uh, at about 8.30, we're going to take your questions at the Green Men on Twitter. If you want to reach out, we'll uh, get some of your questions on air. Uh, our personal Twitter handles, Ryan's is at Vancouver. That's a little play on words yeah, there, it's buddy. it's pretty lame, I know. It works, it works. And uh, <laughs> mine's just more, way more generic. You go at Adam Forsyth if you want to track me down. We'll take your opinions, we'll take your comments, we'll take your questions, and we'll get them on air. 
Uh, so that is pretty much the show. We got JT Miller, Theo Fleury, a bunch of Twitter Q and A stuff. I'm gonna have a blast. It is great to be back with Ryan Sportsnet 650 right here uh, for the rest of the Canucks season. And speaking of the Canucks, wow, my God, yeah, yeah, I it took us, it, yeah, pretty pretty hot out of the gates. And, and and we promised us before, like you know, during the when we were coming up with the bones of this show, the infrastructure, we're like, you know what, people see us as Canuck fans. We're not just going to be fanboys on the air and talk about how amazing this team is. Let's, as as great as they look right now, let's bring expectations down a little bit. Let's come back down to earth a bit, and let's not plan the parade like everyone is doing throughout the city. So let's we'll, we're gonna we're gonna be excited. We're gonna be excited, but we're gonna keep expectations where they should be. What? That's my plan. All right. Well, I'm going the opposite way. You're gonna plan the parade? Oh, I've already mapped it out. Down Robson, Georgia, yeah. ticker tape parade. I was wondering why you had all that velvet rope in the trunk. It's a lot of velvet rope. It is. It's a hefty amount. I think if the Canucks win the cup, I will 100% be wearing that green suit. I'm gonna just gonna knock on wood. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is. It is only November, but I've already planned the route. That that's fair. That's there, fair. It's impressive. Uh, I mean, where do you even begin with these guys? Elias Pettersson is looking like a superstar. I, I we'll talk about it a bit later in the show, but. Uh, the anniversary of Pavel Bure joining the Canucks it was this week, mm-hmm. a long, long time ago, back in 1991. But the excitement that he created in the city, it's not quite there with Pedersen, but it is reminiscent, like watching this guy play every time he touches the puck, just kind of an electric buzz at Rogers Arena. This guy's been phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, you look at like the the kids that were born in like around like 2000 or something like that. And, and I mean, you know, obviously they 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 liked watching the local games and whatnot. They had Mark Snells, they had Tel Bertuzzi, but they never had a game changer when they were growing up. Uh, we were so fortunate. We had Pavel Burry on the ice. Uh, I was five. I'm pretty sure you were still six years from being born, but uh, Pavel Burry on the ice just absolutely blew everyone's minds, took him out of their seats. Uh, it was unbelievable, night in and night out. This guy changed the face of hockey, not only in this town, Maybe in the league, you know, everybody still references Pavel Bray because he was kind of the first guy with the legs. He was the first guy with the hands. He was incredible. And now there's another guy there that just just has that that rocket mentality, has that uh, has the legs under him that are just they're they're always turning, they're never stopping. And the hands, like you see that little the little hands. the little dangle, the there, hands, man? Sully, little dangle drop back, ooh, baby. Um, before we do a bit of a deeper dive on the Canucks, let's get back to uh, Green Man because. People are probably wondering, like, what is your motivation to do this? Why are we doing this? And I just think it was kind of a cool opportunity to kind of... Money. Money, yeah. Oh, oh. we're getting paid? So, Oh, I, no, never mind. Oh, wait, what? Yeah, yeah, I've, I've got some checks in my name. You said you were paying me in stickers and jelly beans. That's Those were your demands, not mine. Oh, I screwed up. <laughs> um, yeah, the, I mean, the real motivation is I just think there was a lot of cool green man stories left untold that we can kind of, you know, share w- with the audience. And also... We viewed ourselves as the the fans, like we're the voice of the fans, kind of in a sense, right? People would yeah. reach out to us, and we had the kind of the outlet to the Canucks. And I think it's it's great with the Canucks off to this hot start that we can kind of spark that back up. A lot of people asking us if we might go to a game this season, 50th anniversary, and I, I'm not ruling it out. I, would, I wouldn't rule it out. I don't know if I can fit in the suit anymore. Yeah. I mean, we've had some big life changes. We haven't. We retired <laughs> about five years ago. I mean, Sully yeah. is a father. Yeah, see, when I wear the suit, I have to fit a baby Bjorn under it now. So yeah. I don't I don't know if it has that much give. Baby Mac would not like that. No. 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 Um, you're a married man. Sorry, ladies. He's yeah, off the market. That's true. Uh, all of one lady might have just turned it off. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, it's probably my wife. 
But uh, yeah, no, things have changed, buddy. Like we we kind of calmed things down and then hung up the suits because you know we were hitting the thirties and it was like you know we should make some changes. Yeah. Um. And uh, yeah, for, all for the better. And and the, what I love is that this legacy still lives on. And, and you know this show is is the culmination. That's twice I've used culmination in ten minutes. That's hard to do. You hit the theosaurus hard this morning. I did. Um. The motivation. I'll throw it out to Andrew Walker, the the host of the program, where he kind of was. We were just you know having beers over the summer. He said like, "Why haven't you told people you're the Green Man? Like it's kind of cool. People would love to hear about it." I was just thought you know it's the, I like the mystique, the mystery of it, you know no one knows who I am. I was the guy who wore a green suit and I just disappeared. But why not get the word out there and have and have some fun with it? And like yeah. I said, there's tons of stories to be told, which is the plan over these ten episodes. And I kind of did do the sit down with Andrew over the summer on air or discussed that secretly I was in journalism for the last 10 years. I've been working for News 1130. I now work for Sportsnet 650. Ryan Sullivan is also in the building. He worked for Jack FM. And we thought, hey, let's take advantage of all these cool unused computers that and <laughs> it's, it's just us and the janitors now at this point. Yeah, I've been looking for an excuse since I came into this building to use a stand up desk and I figured Starting a radio show, that was probably the best way to do so. If you don't have your own radio show and you're using a stand-up desk, people raise some eyebrows. They're like, what the hell is this guy doing? But now, I, look, look at me, Adam. I can stand and talk at the same time. What? You keep standing and then sitting. It's very unnerving. Well, I'm still adjusting. Okay, yeah. We'll find it. we got 10 more episodes to go this season, so we'll, we'll find the happy medium of a stand-sit situation. <laughs> I might do the medicine ball. Um, all right, let's get back to the Canucks very quickly. We talked about Elias Pettersson. Uh, Ryan, if I were to throw it to you, top three Canucks this season, Pedersen's in there, right? We agree on that one? I think that goes without saying, absolutely. All right, what would your other two, if you had to do the the three stars of the Canucks' first month and a bit of the season? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm I'm going to tailor this to something different than just, like, obviously looking at points, and, and I'm going to go at this from a, a bit of a different angle. Um, I, I had my doubts about uh, the off-season movement. I, I think... That goes with any Vancouverite out there. A lot of people, I mean, everyone's the first one to to hop in the, uh, be the armchair analyst in the peanut gallery. And, and everyone was chirping Myers coming in. People were chirping the JT Miller trade. Um, I love what JT Miller's been up to so far. And we'll get to that a little bit more next segment too when we interview him. But uh, he's just been, it's not a flash in the pan. He's been, he's been consistent and he's fitting in beautifully. And that's not easy to do. When you bring somebody in, you give them those top line minutes and you say, hey, here's two guys that have been together for a while. You got to make it work. And right off the hop, one month in, he's doing an incredible job. So I love what Miller's doing. And I've got to give a big shout out to Jacob Markstrom as well. Uh, I have had my doubts on this guy for a while. And like I say, a lot of people have been up and down on Markstrom. And, and I think the big reason was he had a little bit of success last year, but he just didn't show that consistency. Now I I get it. I, I said we're not getting expectations too high here, but a month in, um, this guy picked up right where he left off, and that's really refreshing to see. It's a conversation for much down the line, but Markstrom is playing out the final year of his deal. Demko's look spectacular in that as well. Yep. yep. You know, a good goalie controversy is a good thing to have, right? You have to kind of look at the Seattle expansion. Who are you going to protect? You can't protect both of them. Uh, but again, that's way down the line. So I'm just going to enjoy. And th- and this team thrives with goalie controversy oh, too, don't huge. they? They love it. Yeah, we love it here in Vancouver. Bob Asenza and Felix Potvin. <laughs> Who can we drive out first, Corey or Luongo? Um, I think I'm pretty much going to agree with you on Pedersen and Miller, and then Markstrom would be like three A or B, and I I Quinn Hughes. 
I think yeah. the way he's transformed that power play ever since joining it, they're first in the league on the power play since he moved up to PP1. He's like a little spark plug back there, a bit of an injury scare last week, but he's back, he's healthy, he's playing. And uh, I think that'd be my three. Pedersen, Hughes, and Miller, but unfortunately Markstrom... You got bumped to number four. That, that, that's fair. And and the thing with me is that I need to ditch this, like, old-school mentality where, you know, guys on the blue line can't be 170 pounds soaking wet. Um, you know, Quinn Hughes came in last year. I came up for a few games. And you look at him, and you're like, this guy this guy can't handle the blue line. Uh, but it's it's the skill now. It's It's no longer just the dimensions you have. It's the skill. And I come at this from, like, I don't know what it was, like 10 years ago or something. Remember Patrick Colomb? I'm not relating Patrick Colomb, comparing him to Quinn Hughes. Please but, don't. But Colomb had was a really like lighter set guy back on the blue line. And Colomb played on those Ramuski teams with Sidney Crosby, decent player. But he was just he was too light to survive in the NHL at that time. Now you can just let your skill do the talking, and that's what Hughes has been doing night in and night out. And it's it's awesome to see. And I just still I need to ditch that old school old NHL mentality where you could watch a guy like Shell Samuelson out there have some. Now, he never did anything, but Ulf, <laughs> Ulf, oh, Ulf was a classic, and he got the job done. All right, Sully, uh, that little mini rant, that sounds like it is the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. <laughs> now, you're going to hear about it. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. This is the airing of grievances brought to you by Yuck Yucks Vancouver. To see which comics are on their way to the comedy club, check them out across social media at Yuck Yucks Van or online anytime at yuckyucks.com. Love it. Of course, uh, big thanks to Yuck Yucks for hopping on board. They do some fine work over there. Uh, and they've been good friends of ours and good sponsors for quite some time. Okay, now, yeah, I'm going to do dealer's choice here. Should we start with the Leafs or should we start with the Canucks? Go with the Leafs, buddy. Okay, yeah, let's, let's it, change it, it up. We've been yeah, talking Canucks for a know, little bit. Because we, it's Toronto Sports Media. We start with the Leafs. <laughs> exactly. That's how we do it. And speaking of that point right there, absolutely everywhere you look, every single website, every single newspaper, every single television network is talking about the Leafs and how they're not going to make the playoffs. Then when they win the game, they're going to make the playoffs. There's just a pressure cooker on these guys nonstop. And I totally get it. After the contracts they've been handing out, it makes perfect sense. But at the same time, we're just getting into November here. This is driving me absolutely nuts. I know Leaf fans here who are very passionate guys about their team who are hopping off the wagon already. Take it easy. They've played half the season without their captain. Tavares coming back into the lineup now. Uh, they haven't had Zach Hyman around. They've had no grit, no sandpaper. Let's let's just let it cool a little bit. Let's watch. These guys have way too much talent to throw it all out the window like they have in the first month of the season. Just take it easy on the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's my Leafs rant. That's your Leafs rant? Are, are people panicking? I, people are panicking, man. I know you know Bud's fans. They're going nuts right now. It's ridiculous. We're a month in. Now, speaking of which, we'll just segue that. Talking about the Canucks and talked about earlier, not getting expectations too high. We started this show, and of course we're fired up about how the Canucks are playing right now. But you go anywhere in this city, and people are already talking Stanley Cup. There's, there's an analytics website right now saying the Canucks have the highest chance of raising the grail at the end of the year. Again, take it easy. And, 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 it's not, and it's not just on, on the people that are getting too far ahead of themselves. Canuck fans, we have a way to always 
to always poke holes. We need to find something wrong. We just can't be comfortable with success in this city, probably because we've never had it. But at the same time, we need to poke holes. Everyone has to be an armchair analyst. Take a step back. And let's just enjoy what's going on right now. We have a successful team who's looking like an elite team out there. Looking, I didn't say is, looking like an elite team one month into the season. So let's just take it easy and let's just enjoy without trying to find problems under the hood. Because right now it's clicking, it's working, and just sit back and relax. Also at the same time, my final rant, guys dropping their weights at the gym. We all see you. You look like idiots and it drives us nuts. Had to get a little subtle brag that you go to the gym. Cool. I, I work out. All right. Well, my grievance, grievance is that I can't say grievance. <laughs> yeah, that's a big one. Uh, no, mine is just very simple. I don't like when you put a pair of socks into the washing machine and only one sock comes out. Where does it go? I don't like it. That's my grievance of the week. Wait, it, are, are you just putting socks in? I'm putting everything in. I'm going to assume that's probably stuck in something else in the machine. Yeah. And where does it go? It's never to be found again. You probably like in the pants, and then you put them in the dryer, and then they're stuck in the pants. We'll never get to the bottom of it. How never. long have you been doing laundry for? What is going on? <laughs> uh, it was my first week. <laughs> I, ju- I just started. So that's not a that's a grievance. That's not a grievance. Uh, that is a that's grievance. That's a total grievance. All right. Well, that was the <laughs> grievance report brought to you by Yuck Yucks. And we move along to the injury report brought to you by Berard Physio. Yeah, Berard Physiotherapy uh, as an athlete. Uh, I'm going to call you Asm. Oh, can we speak English? What's going on Aslan? here? Aslan? Like yeah, yeah. Lion, the witch, and the wardrobe? What is happening here? Uh, well, Adam, as you and I both know, uh, in order to stay at the top of your game, you need to keep your body feeling right. And what better way to do so than to see one of the physios over at Burrard Physiotherapy, the skilled and caring therapist at Burrard Physio, will carefully assess and prescribe exercises to get you back doing what you love. They have access to leading-edge equipment like laser, shockwave, anti-gravity treadmill, and real-time ultrasound. No matter what the injury, no matter what the sport or activity, Burrard Physiotherapist will create the best treatment plan for you with 150 years of combined experience. You just know you're in the right hands of Burrard Physiotherapy. There we go. So each week we'll run down the kind of top uh, injury that you know stands out to us. And this week I'm going with David Backus, a nasty-looking hit on the weekend uh, by Ottawa Scott Sabrin. Sabrin knocked out David Backus, clearly emotional about it, and then he left the game with a concussion. you got to start to worry about the veteran. It's his fourth concussion since joining the Bees four years ago. Well, Sabrin posted that gnarly Instagram photo of his smashed-in nose. That is my injury of the week. It's, it's, it's not bad. It's, it's a good pick. That's definitely a top contender. And uh, speaking as a guy that's had a concussion a couple of years ago, they suck to have four on record. I don't know how these guys do it. It's just incredible. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Patrick Hornquist on the IR with a lower body injury. The old LBI. LBI. Yeah, yeah. Those will get you. Uh, last pick in his draft class. Uh, he's getting up there in age, it is true, but Hornquist, when he's on his game, the guy can be a difference maker. Uh, we've seen it through the years in the postseason uh, and in the regular, of course, as well. The guy's, a, he's getting up there in age, but he's still, he's still got it. I'm still, I'm still a fan, and it is a big injury in my mind because that team's got a nice, tight core, and he's a good part of it. There we go. Injury report brought to you by Berard Physio. Uh, Sportsnet 650, you got Green Man Radio, first ever episode. And coming up in just a few minutes, we got JT Miller, our first ever interview. And we landed the Canucks first liners having a great, great season. And a little bit later, we have Theo Fleury, the legend. I'm looking forward to the chats. We will be back in just a few minutes with JT Miller of the Vancouver Canucks. We now reach. 
turn to Green Men Radio with Adam Forsyth and Ryan Sullivan on Sportsnet 650. Brought to you by Pastime Sports and Games. All right, Green Man Radio segment number two, and so far so good, right? We haven't been kicked off the air. Yeah, the mics are still working. Things are looking up. Off to a good start. Yeah, uh, this is going to be a fun little segment because we have our first ever interview on Green Man Radio coming up in just a couple of minutes. JT Miller of the Canucks. Man's a gem. He decided, I want to talk to two guys in spandex suits. Yeah, not a lot of people make that decision. No, I was honestly shocked about what yeah. he did. You heard Mighty Mighty Boston's impression I get off the top here? Well, because he's made a great first impression in Vancouver. There it is. is that, okay. You're, you're kind of like looking I was wondering. What's with the music choice? It's a deep dive there, a deep cut going he, for the impression that I get. He's on fire. I mean. Absolutely. Yeah, point of game to start the season, and he's impressing on the top line with Pedersen and Besser, scoring goals, and everyone was kind of concerned off you know, oh, we gave up a first-round pick for JT Miller. Well, at this yeah. point, the way he's producing, who cares? Well, I was surprised because I thought that when he signed with the Canucks, I thought this is the year that they finally put Russ Cortnell in the ring of honor, Ooh. and no one's going to wear that nine again. But no, no, they, they gave it to JT. They thought about the ring of honor. They're going to do like a split. Like it was like Russ, Jeff, Cortnell. Oh, okay. Yeah. Slash with number nine, Taylor Pyatt. <laughs> a yeah. GR Cortnell. But... <laughs> You know the way the I Millers, support it. Yeah, the way the Millers come in, he's uh, he's he's looked really good. He's impressed, and we had a great chat with him. We did an autograph signing at Pastime Sports and Games at their Metro Town location, the new one. This place is jam packed with so many sports memorabilia goodies. Like I was like a kid in a playground, just yeah. Gordy Howe autograph, uh, Gino Ojek autograph. It was it's awesome. unreal. It's unreal. And they had JT Miller down there. Tons of fans came up for him, and then we said, you know what, let's go entertain the crowd a little bit. So we were running around taking photos at Metro Town, and. Miller was up for an interview. The guy was a beauty and had some great stories. Yeah. Uh, really dove deep on the early parts of his career with you and how the transition from the Rangers to the Lightning to the Canucks. Uh, it's For a young guy, he's had a lot go on in his career. He's still in his mid-20s, and he's played for the World Cup of Hockey. He's, you know, a World Junior gold medal, and now he's almost leading the team in points. Speaking of transitions, can we do a quick game of Millers before we get to the interview? A game of Millers. I've created this. I'm pretty proud of it. Can we get a little uh, little game of Game of Thrones? There it is. Yep. That's All nice. Right. Ooh, soft jazz. Uh, uh, yeah, game of Millers. It's uh, basically it's a very easy game. I'm gonna ask you some Miller-related questions. Okay, we'll see how this goes because if it doesn't go well, like the Game of Thrones prequel, oh. it might be canceled before it even. Happens. <laughs> yeah. There's no Naomi Watts in this game, so we don't have to be worried. Uh, hopefully it'll go better than the Game of Thrones finale. Anyways, uh, rules are very simple, okay? Just name as many Millers as you can. If you can go perfect, or I'd say five of six, yep. then you are officially the Dragon Queen of Westeros um, princess lady. <laughs> yeah. Well thought out. I've, like seen, I've seen the show. So. so it's Miller time. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's let's just see how we do. Let's let's get our feet wet here. Drafted in 1989, I played for the Quebec Nordiques, who then turned into the Colorado Avalanche, the LA Kings, the Vancouver Canucks, before retiring in 2008. I actually know this because I thought it was kind of a weird uh, move to pick him up when you were the Canucks late in his career. Never played for another team after that. 
Aaron Miller. Nailed it. Is the answer. What's weird about it is he actually had a four year goal drought. How you can go four years without finding the back of the net and still find work is pretty unreal. But this guy played. You're still on your beer league team. Well, okay, you're not wrong. Um, but he, from 89 to 2008, man, that's he's a silver medalist. That's a pretty damn good career right there. Okay, number two. I contain 98 calories per 12-ounce serving. It's the only clue you get. <laughs> Fanta? No, it's Miller really. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's got to be the champagne of beers, right? It's Miller. Miller oh, great guess and a great brew. Uh, but no, the answer is Miller Lights. I'm sorry. We were looking for Miller Lights. Let's move on to number three. You're, you're 50% here. Uh, I am in the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame. I played at USC, and I'm currently a sideline reporter for TNT Sports. I'm torn here because if it's the Miller answer we're going for, it's got to be Reggie or sister and I'm blanking on her name. So I got to go Reggie Miller. You mentioned, I'll give you a half mark on it. It is Cheryl Miller. Cheryl. Yeah, it's Cheryl Miller. See, because like Reggie played uh, UCLA. He was a Bruin. I'm, I'm a hockey guy. I don't. Okay, okay. Let's let's keep it fairly hockey related. Um, and this is a great hockey question. I am your trusted source for welding resources, helpful support, and high performance products for all of your welding needs. <laughs> Uh, Fanta. <laughs> uh, no, uh, I don't know. Old Milwaukee or Milwaukee Welding, Miller Milwaukee Miller you're, Park. You're close. Yeah. That was almost like a Dumb and Dumber scene. No, Miller Welding is what we were going for. That's a fake company you made up. Starts with an S. Slippy, Slappy, Swippy, Swippy, Swimson, Swanson. Um, okay, you know what? You're not doing great, but that's okay. I teamed up with Ari Gold on Entourage. I also played Ellen Griswold in multiple National Lampoon Vacation movies. Beverly D'Angelo. It's Barbara Miller was the character, but that's okay. Um, you know, but okay, the you actress know what? was Beverly D'Angelo. Okay, you're not going to win the Dragon Trophy here, but final question, just because I, I want to read this, uh, and I know you'll get this. I am the man behind the character that created Aviato. 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 Is that George Clooney's tequila? It's not. <laughs> that is TJ Miller, who played Ehrlich Bachman, Silicon Valley. You know Aviato? Telecom Valley, final season right now. Yeah. First couple of episodes have been pretty, very pretty impressive. I, few th- people. I take that. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. You're not the... But you know what? If you're not relevant on the show, you can still be king. So... Hey! Right? Uh, so there you that go. That is true. Uh, and speaking of TJ Miller, JT Miller. Yeah. I, they've, just... been, they've been confused a few times for one another, I suspect. Yeah. Uh, let's hop in with our conversation, JT Miller. Uh, we were at Pastime Sports and Games in Metro Town. Some great sports memorabilia and hockey cards. They, they have everything. Uh, and we had a great conversation with Miller. Let's dive into it. Uh, our next guest needs no introduction, but we're going to give him a, what I think is a stellar one anyways. Let's go. Let's list his laundry list of accomplishments. Drafted 15th overall in the first round of the 2011 draft by the Rangers. He quickly cracked the lineup, but not before helping the U.S. win World Junior Gold in 2013, leading the team with seven assists. And as he approaches his 500th NHL game already, he already has over 100 career goals. But perhaps most impressive, he has never missed the Stanley Cup playoffs in his career. A great sign for Canuck Fortunes. Without further ado, let's turn things over to Ryan's chat with JT Miller, where we jump right in. JT telling us about his early path to the NHL. I played uh, in uh, the Tier 1 Junior League at United States Hockey League, the USHL, and uh, I moved away to Michigan to do that. Uh, I played there for two years for the national team, Um, got drafted to the Rangers my second year there, and then uh, I was with uh, 
committed to North Dakota for college, and then uh, after the kind of agreed with, um, you know, the Rangers that uh, they see me better in the OHL. So I went to Plymouth, Michigan, which is right down the road from Ann Arbor, and played one year there before starting my pro career. So nice. uh, I spent three years in Michigan, so I got to know it pretty good, and uh, you know, I think it was really good for my for me. Okay, so so tell me about playing hockey in Michigan. Uh, I mean, obviously. You know the football team packs it in pretty damn good. Yeah. Uh, the hockey team, obviously, you know, still a pretty big draw down there. Yeah. Uh, but when you think Michigan, I don't know, you think you think basketball, you think football. Right. Uh, but as far as the hockey support goes down there, what's that like playing down in Ann Arbor? It was actually really good. Uh, you know, we uh, we were just playing across the street from the you know the actual U of M guys, which was fun. We uh, a lot of guys that were in high school with us. They go on to play it for Michigan afterwards. So you still keep those relationships when we were there, but. Tell you what, their hockey sport's really good, and they, they really like their hockey there a lot. Michigan's a really good hockey city. It's right next to Canada. Um, played a lot of youth hockey when I was there, a lot of tournaments there. So, um, you know, growing up, kind of making sure you stay stay in line at the, at the campus there while you're still in high school. But, you know, a lot of people taking care of us and really passionate about their sports and hockey. I think it would surprise a lot of people how much they care about it. So it's, it seems like everybody out of the States, there's way more, like, you're way more tied to your school. You're you're alum back in like out of the states and there in Canada. Here, people are like, oh, I went to UBC. Or something. You know, nobody really gets into it. Um, so, are you now automatically like a huge fan of Jim Harbaugh's khaki pants? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, he wasn't uh, there when I was there, but um, you know, I didn't follow him too much. But I do know. Uh, I do know they're creating some buzz, those pants, so uh, <laughs> uh, but I I'm actually not a giant college sports guy. My brother plays at Ohio State so uh, for hockey he's his senior year, so I follow Ohio State Buckeyes and his games. But other than that, um, you know, I never really was a big U of M fan. I was an Ohio State guy being from Ohio originally, um, so I was just cheering against them, actually. It was kind of more fun to get in arguments with my teammates like that anyway. Yeah. I believe it's pronounced the Ohio State. The, is that? Well, it's the whatever university you want, I think. Right. As long yeah. as you put the in front of it. <laughs> I'm waiting for them to bring those intros into the hockey game where you can just like record it beforehand. Yeah. Yeah, that would be nice. Um, okay, so let's talk about draft day. Um, I mean, you get selected. Like, what's what, what goes through the mind? Like, what's what's where do the goosebumps kick in? Are you like sitting on the edge of your seat for every single pick? Um, you know, how does that go down? You know, looking back now, I think I was drafted in uh, maybe eight or nine, nine years ago, nine drafts ago, like flies by. It's cliche, but it's true. And uh, I was very stressed about being picked in the first round. I wanted that badly. Looking back, it mean, means nothing. It's uh, obviously a little more highly touted, I guess, if you're drafted in the first round. But you still get to go to camp if you're drafted in the first or seventh round. So um, I was very anxious I had a lot of anxiety I really wanted that first round draft pick status and I think that uh, you know my agent did a really good job of knowing and not telling me and keeping my uh, my humbleness down and uh, you know it was a really special moment to I remember when they said my name from the time I took the picture on stage put the jersey on I just wanted to be with my family I had so many people there I probably had yeah, maybe 30 35 people there not, not necessarily seeing me but but at the draft and uh uh, to get down and celebrate with them, you know, my, it was my girlfriend at the time, my wife now, and my parents and grandparents and all my closest friends. So to be able to share it with them is pretty special. I mean, I come from uh, not much. My parents, uh, you know, worked hard to make sure they get that I can get where I am now. And, uh, you know, to see that pay off and pay, work out, it was really special for my family. Yeah, and I mean, 
everybody gets excited, obviously, when they get picked. But you can see, like, somebody goes to Columbus, they're like, eh. <laughs> um, you get selected by, like, the New York Rangers, right. which is the ultimate. You get to play at Madison Square Garden, yeah. you know, go live in Manhattan, something like like that's yeah. That's got to be... That's got to be up there as, as far as dreams go for places to go. Yeah, it was great. Being a part of the original six franchise, uh, especially, especially when they drafted you, was pretty cool. The, uh, you know, I grew up a Penguins fan, so I was really didn't like the Rangers uh, in their interdivision rivalry. So I learned to like them quickly, and uh, you know they took took a lot of good care of me. They put up with my crap over a couple of years, and you know really prep me into being the player I am now so I have a lot of tons of respect for the organization in that city it's a super fun place to play and uh, you know when things are good and playoffs are rocking there you know it's it's nothing like it so yeah it's it's an amazing rink I was down there for a Knicks game a few years ago and just to feel the history walking right. around it's yeah. just it's incredible uh, and now before we move on a little bit you mentioned uh, you're a Pittsburgh fan as well yeah. obviously playing uh, a little bit of hockey over in Pittsburgh yeah. on the way up uh, so I'm assuming this is like Crosby years like these guys are these guys are high in the book for you well before that actually I was uh, you know Crosby came in in what uh, eight maybe or yeah. seven or something like that so uh, I would have been you know 15 16 years old already but I was really into the, uh, the, the their team in the early 2000s late 90s even when I was young and I, you know it was awesome the guys like Yager and Kovalev and Straka Marty yeah. Robert Lang and um, you know, players like that, obviously Mario too, but uh, that was my team growing up. Was, I love those guys, and they got Recky back and LeClaire for a couple of years, and it was just an, some unbelievable players to come through there, and they had such a good team, and they had the playoffs every year, and it was, uh, that's kind of how I got started, and then by the time I was good in the juniors and stuff, that's when Sid and, you know, Malkin came along and Flurry, and then all of a sudden they had another best team in the league, and then, yeah, uh, it, was, it was pretty special, and then I got to, as a Penguins fan, see them win the first cup since I was alive. Um, I was born the year after they won back-to-back in the 90s, so right. I didn't get to see any, and then they won, I think, in 08 or 09 after uh, they went to the finals against the Wings back-to-back years, which is pretty awesome. So uh, Yeah, and, and you uh, guys got to have Jean-Claude Van Damme as well for, for a game <laughs> in the finals in sudden death. Yes, exactly. No, it's uh, important to have him on your side. That's right. <laughs> it's never a bad thing. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's talk about uh, the first time you get dealt. Uh, you're 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 going to Tampa. I mean, what what's going through your head in the in the McDonald deal there? Um, I mean, did did you know that was that was on the way? Did you know that was coming, or was it just a total shock? Well, we had a meeting saying that everybody was on the table that year because oh, uh, not sure whose call it was, but everybody said we're changing the team and everybody got traded. And going into the trade last trade day, I was told that you know I was going to be in the clear, it'd be fine. Um, they're not looking to trade me, but if the right deal came along. Maybe that's something that they would do. Uh, ironically, got in a flight to Vancouver with the team at two o'clock and was traded halfway here at three o'clock yeah. uh, on the plane. So I had to land at the Fairmont. Uh, luckily, the boys were having rookie party that night. So when we landed, I actually went out with them. Uh, they asked me if I wanted. Roxy. Oh yeah. They, they asked me if I wanted to get back and go right away, and I said absolutely not. I'm staying. I'm gonna party with the boys for the night, and then. Hopped on a four o'clock plane in the morning, got there at like nine o'clock at night, Tampa time, and played four games and I think six nights. It was yeah. a pretty insane turnaround. So pretty emotional at the beginning on the plane. It 
It's not leaving the city that made me emotional. I had some really good friends there uh, that I knew since I was 18, 19 years old, and some vets that really took me under their wing that are still there. And then it was just kind of a crazy year to get rid of like the whole base of that franchise, it was, except for minus a couple of people. So, yeah, um, you know, definitely crazy, that's for sure. Before we move on from New York, uh, we just hear the, the stories and the legends of Brooksy. Um, you know, Tortorella's always given him the business. Um, how is it working with, uh, with Brooksy down there uh, in the New York media? Uh, it's different. Not like uh, you're working with the them, but you know. Uh, try to keep no, 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 of course not. And cues. Um, he's uh, but like like New York media versus Tampa Bay media. I'm oh, sure it's it's way it's, different. It's, yeah. uh, it's obviously I'd say more friendly in Tampa. Yeah. Um, the New York press is a big deal, so I'm sure guys would do whatever it takes to uh, some guys. Um, I have some obviously great guys there that uh, took care of me and wrote nice things about me. Those guys are great. Obviously, yeah. not everybody's like that. Guys are trying to get a story, but yeah. Brooks, he uh, is a legend yeah. in that regard. Um, I think he went into the Hall of Fame for whatever for something recently. I think you can look it up, but uh, yeah. for being a reporter or whatever it is. But so obviously, you got some legendary stuff with Torts, and those two just fed each other back and forth. Yeah, definitely YouTube Hall of Fame for oh, those no, clips. No, no but doubt, no doubt. Uh, okay, you know what? We're gonna fast forward through Tampa because we're running tight for time here. But uh, I mean, the Canucks they put a lot on the table. They bring you over to Vancouver. Um, I mean, hell of a switch going from sunny and beaches to yeah. freezing cold and rain and beaches. Yeah. Um, but uh, coming to Vancouver, I mean, was it was is there a lot of pressure there? Are you are you feeling like you're you're zoned in now? Or are you still kind of getting a feel for things? No, I feel good. I uh, I, I wanted this role. Uh, this is something that I think I can I can I'm up to the task for. I think that uh, in Tampa. You know, it is what it is. I was just on a lesser role there. They had a lot of talent. Obviously, put up a season that's going to be hard to beat in the near future, and or in any future, for that matter. And um, uh, it, everybody wants to play a lot. Everybody wants a bigger role. And I think that I'm just really excited. They told me that they they wanted me for a while now, and the deal worked itself out. It helped both sides. Uh, I was told in Tampa it was a more of a business move. They weren't trying to get rid of me or anything. But uh, I'm super excited that they want me. It's really, it feels good to be wanted. And, uh, everybody's been so good to me, the coaches and management and players, and everybody's been great to me so far. And you know, I'm really excited that what this team can do with all the new uh, pickups we have there, uh, you know, uh, personnel-wise this year. Yeah, you're off to a good start, buddy. Thanks, man. That interview was brought to you by Pastime Sports and Games with their new location in Metrotown. Now back to the show. If there's one takeaway from that interview, Sully, JT Miller is a beauty. He's He is an absolute beauty. Taking you're not care wrong. of business on the ice, taking care of business off the ice. Yeah. Great conversation. I mean, where do you even begin on all that? There were some gems in there. The, there were The there, Rangers rookie party? Yeah. I mean, that, you know, there's a lot of things in there, obviously. First round pick and stuff. You know, he was so devoted to getting picked in the first. There's some really cool stories in there. Uh, but him getting dealt and then, you know, on paper, being a member of a different team, but going, no, 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 I'm partying with my boys tonight. We're going to the Roxy. That's awesome. What a that way to good go stuff. out, right? Like oh, yeah. A, that is a perfect send-off. Yeah. And, I mean, we, we've been to the Roxy before, and we've seen NHLers in there, and, you know, you always just, you see everybody just gravitate to the back barks. They just go, they sit down, and everybody just wants to go back and talk hockey with these guys. And, you know, as a rookie party, like, you know, these are guys after the game or something, maybe they'll, they'll go have a pint or something. But we're talking a rookie party here. I can only imagine how insane that would have been. It was, uh, well, how insane was it? I looked up the box score for the Rangers game the next day. Yes. The Rangers actually beat the Canucks oh. 6-5. Wow. But the Canucks outshot them and put 55 shots on net. 
Wow. Henrik Lundqvist made 50 saves. So there was definitely Unreal. a Roxy flu. <laughs> but it just, yeah. And the Rangers yeah. the, uh, leading the way with three points. Former yeah. Canuck legend, Ryan Spooner. Legend. Oh, yeah. Giving him the legend status. He's no fork. He's a spoon. No, no, that's good. I like what you did there. Um, yeah, so, yeah that, impressive. That's the Rangers going out with a bang. That's Miller going out with a bang. Uh, you mentioned the first round pick thing. That was kind of one of the more like hockey related takeaways I got from that interview. It's just you sense his passion that he's like, I wanted to be a first round pick. That's what I wanted. That's what I got. And I was determined to make it happen. And he successfully was taken first overall. Yeah. First overall. So, first so round. many, so many people like, I mean, myself included, I'm sure everybody that, that always dreamt of making the show and obviously never, you know, got anywhere near a sniff of it. Um, you know, you, you think to yourself looking back like, oh man, I wish I would have been a little bit more devoted kind of thing. I can't imagine being that age before you go into the draft, like, uh, you know, late teen years, early twenties and just being that mature that you know what you want and nothing else will get in the way. Like in my late teens, early twenties, I, I, my, my brain was elsewhere. I, I couldn't think of anything that that would be, you know, that was like that set in my sight lines. It's, it's pretty incredible when you talk to these guys. Uh, him being raised in Pittsburgh for part of his life that you asked him, what, what's your favorite players growing up? You know, was it, was it Crosby or was it Lemieux? And no, it was somewhere smack in the middle. You could have gone with Lemieux. You could have gone with Yarmer Younger, Paul Coffey, even a little bit before his time. And he goes, no, no, I, I was a big Robert Lang fan. Yeah. Big Martin Strecka guy. There it is. That's all, but you know what? That is kind of in line with what his career trajectory is. Like he's going to be a 60, 70, and then maybe top out at 80 point guy. Yeah, it's, like, it's impressive. And, and, and we love that too. I love it when you pull out like an obscure name kind of thing. That's like when I was talking to him, I'm like, oh yeah, Sidney Crosby or something. And obviously that would have been maybe a little bit later on, so when he's a little kid. But yeah, you would think Lemieux, Yager, of course. But no, 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 no. He's going deep on these ones. And, uh, you know, the other beauty, of course, is that he's seen Sudden Death, which is a great movie. And like, it's a great bad movie, but as far as sports movies go, it's pretty epic. I'm glad he played along with that because there's zero chance he has seen that movie based on the way he answered it. There's no, I, he, I could see the passion in his eyes as soon as I said it. He was fired up. I've never seen it. What? Yeah. What are you talking about? Never seen it. Okay. Well, this needs to change. Let's, let's roll the big screen in here. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, if it's on Netflix, I'll check it out. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard amazing things. Okay. You know, I, we probably shouldn't do this, but Jean-Claude Van Damme, he brings his kids to a Stanley Cup final game. He's a fireman up to no good. There's a lot going on in that stadium. Someone's planting bombs, and they didn't plan on JVD being in attendance. He runs around, disarms the bombs. He gets into the uh, the penguin, like Kenny Reggett's goalie gear, makes a kick save. A helicopter comes down through the roof, crashes through the big screen. The vice president's in trouble in the skybox. It's a heck of a gut-wrenching tale. <laughs> you, that's a good movie recap. Well, uh, Do you know what year that movie came out? I want to say like 94. That's the year every good movie came out. 94? Yeah. I'm pretty sure that was Jurassic Park. I know it was Dumb and Dumber. I know it was Speed. So every good movie okay. came out in 94. You kind of busted my theory then because I was hoping that it was like 92. Because it is yeah. conceivable hmm? that J.T. Miller was conceived to such a <laughs> There we go. His family was from the Ohio and then Pennsylvania area. Yeah. Can, can we get him on the line? Can we, we sort that we'll out? talk to Mr. and Mrs. Miller. Mr. and Mrs. Miller, yeah. Can you confirm? <laughs> oh, It's an epic movie, man. I, I, I think a lot of babies were conceived of that. It, it's a great tale. Uh, well, 
based on true events. We're towing the line of a little uh, risque, a, but I think there might be some babies being conceived after JT Miller's performances like early this season. He's been on fire, yeah, and uh, he has the Canucks fan base fired up as they should be because they've been playing great as of late. Things are rolling for them, man. It's, yeah, I, I really like them early in the season. JT Miller, first guest ever on Green Man Radio. Um, Solid stuff. And, like, you know, we were talking kind of about the, the maturity and stuff, and, um, you know, I, I threw it out there, kind of what his thoughts were when he, when he heard he was traded, and he just said, like, I'm ready. I'm, like, I'm good to go. Um, he wanted this role. He wanted top-line minutes. He wanted to be the guy that's looked upon uh, for clutch points, um, you know, late in the game. Like, he wants to be that guy that everyone relies upon. Um, and, again, it just, it just goes to that, like, I mean, he's mid-20s now. When I was mid-20s, I wasn't anywhere near that mature. Like, the... The, the, these guys are so high performance all the time, but to have that mentality as well and nothing can shake it is pretty impressive. And, and he's showing so far this season, um, nothing has shaken that mentality. He knows what he wants. He's going out there and he's getting it. I can't think of enough. JT Miller joining Force and Sully, Green Men Radio. First hour already in the books for our first ever episode. And again, like we said off the top, they haven't turned out the lights. Something must be working. Uh, yeah. We're having a blast. We still have one more hour to go too. We- <laughs> Either that or they're not listening. Oh, okay. And that could very well be the case. Yeah, there w- it's just us and the janitor <laughs> at the point in this office. It's fine, though. We're having a blast. we got hour number two coming up. We reached out to you guys for Twitter questions, a Q&A. Great questions still flying in. We will answer them, and we'll have a blast. More interviews coming up. Let's go. Green Men Radio, Force and Sully on Sportsnet 650. Welcome back to Green Men Radio with Adam Forsyth and Ryan Sullivan on Sportsnet 650. Brought to you by PastimeSports.ca. Welcome back, Green Man Radio, right here on Sportsnet 650. Adam Forsyth, a.k.a. Force, and Ryan Sullivan, a.k.a. Sully. People always ask us, hey, how do you guys come up with your Green Man names? People are kind of figuring it out at this point. Yeah. Force, Forsyth, Sully, Sullivan. Not overly complicated. No, but <laughs> yet, it somehow is. <laughs> the amount of times in the interviews over the years I'd be called... Uh, what what are some of the ones oh, that were thrown some, my way? There's some gems. So I mean, especially when we would do uh, when we would go on the road for a game. We did like a Victoria Royals game. Uh, they called you Forest, so Sully and Forest. That was yeah. nice. Um, right here locally, uh, one of the big morning news shows. Uh, they called you Storm. That was good. And, and like I mean, Forest, I can see. Yeah, Forest, Forest. Green. Sure. Where does Storm come from? <laughs> I don't even. I, uh, from an X-Men movie, Halle Berry but I later. Yeah, I kind of like it, though. It's not bad. Sully and Storm kind of rolls off the tongue. Sully and Storm, Green Man Radio, right here on Sportsnet <laughs> 650. Or Storm and Sully. Sorry, I didn't mean to. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah sorry. E. Sorry, Storm. We'll have to negotiate this. Yeah, I think Who so. Who gets title billing? <laughs> uh, coming up in a few minutes, we have a great interview with an Olympic champion, a Stanley Cup champion. It is Theo Fleury. We had a great chat with him about his playing days, his country music career, uh, a whole bevy of stuff, but uh, one of his bigger rivals in the 90s was Pavel Bure, who on this week, mm. 28 years ago, made his Vancouver Canucks debut as the Canucks took on the Winnipeg Jets, and it was quite the circus. Yeah, we, we can almost call this retro week, I think, because the Canucks are breaking out, uh, the old duds against the Devils coming up, and uh, yeah, I mean, going back to Pavel Bure... 1991, November 5th was the date, 
And uh, if you heard it earlier this week, uh, the big boss upstairs, Craig McEwen, was at the game. He had a great uh, story about how he got the tickets. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it forever changed the face of hockey in this city. I mean, he was an absolute legend, of course, but... You know, now you have players that come in. I mean, you look at, you know, Pedersen, for example, or, or McDavid, and they're like, oh, man, these are elite players. They're pretty damn good. But they're not game changers because everyone can skate. Everyone has hands now. If you don't, you're out of the league. But then, like, Pavel Bray was just, he was the new NHL coming into the old NHL, and it just completely changed the way people saw the game. It's really hard to uh, in today's NHL to make, like, players look like pylons. Yeah. And that's what he had the capability of doing. Like, it, it looked like... A guy who's playing Div One Beer League, who's just playing, yeah, you know the level I play. Did you Did you ever have the VHS Bure Bure when you were growing up? No. Oh man, I, is that the the song? There, well, the, there was the song, yeah, of course. But it was like I don't know, it was like a twenty minute video or something, and it was just him like dancing around, making guys look like idiots out there. Um, I'm gonna see if we can find that on YouTube. We'll put that up on our Facebook page. Uh, if we can track that down, great, great, a VHS classic. Yeah, I'm putting it right up there with. Rock'em Sock'em 2. I would say the early Rock'em Sock'ems were just like essentially a highlight reel of Pavel Bure. Yeah. Blowing past five players and then going on a breakaway. Or blowing up Shane Churla. One or the other. Did you... I was a little bit too young to remember Bure's first game. Uh, Bure's first game, I, I, I recall somewhat. I mean, I would have been five years old. I just remember like, you know, stuff that far back in your life, you remember like a moment or a feeling. I remember the buzz and just hearing about it. I... I couldn't remember, I couldn't tell you if I watched on TV or not, but I do remember um, his first game, or sorry, his first goal uh, against the Los Angeles Kings because I was still a Gretzky fan. I mean, he's the reason I got into hockey, probably along with everyone else in this country. Um, but uh, yeah, Pavel Bure, man, finally slid one home. I was a little too young, but I, going back and like watching that game, and you can kind of track it down on YouTube, like the full game, and there was just like gasps in the crowd every time he touched the puck. Like, who is this Russian kid? Why is he so fast? Like, yeah. how how rare is it that a uh, moniker, like the Russian Rocket, gets assigned to you on your very first NHL game and it sticks with you for your career? Yeah. Like, we're still trying to figure out what to call Pedersen. Like, is it the alien? Is it well, the I'm still wondering, right too, because I thought in an interview he said in in his home country, he, they say Peterson. Elias Peterson. Peterson. Maybe he said it with an accent, so maybe it just comes off a little different. But, but I, I like Pedersen. It sounds a little more edgy. I've actually heard that he's just too polite. Like, he's just too nice to, like, correct oh, yeah. people. So he's just, like, it kind of turned to Pedersen. Yeah. And he's like, all right, it's Pedersen. He, I feel like he's the kind of guy that would walk around everywhere with a cloth handkerchief. Like, he's just oh. that much of a nice, classy guy. Well, it's like the Milan McCulloch and Zabinic McCulloch. Like, the brothers, and they yeah. pronounce their last names differently. Yeah. They're just messing with us at this point. Well, Milan, I don't think, wanted people to know that he was anyway related to Zabinic. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> well, that's fair enough. Uh yeah, so coming up, we got this Theo Fleury interview. Uh, this guy is a gem. He's been so good to us over the years. We did a, a couple charity hockey events where we would don ice skates and skate around in green spandex and kind of shoot pucks and get the crowd fired up. And then the actual real entertainment would come out when they had, you know, Theo Fleury and Bob Probert and uh, Brian Trache was among them. And, and Theo always made time for us, which was so cool. I mean, we were in our early 20s. We had no right being there. And the fact that this guy is just, you know, Talking hockey with us like it's another day. It was really cool. Uh, really respect this guy. What I mean was he—he he was one of my favorite players growing up. Oh, absolutely. Uh, my my brother was more the Flames guy. Like Flurry, he had posters on the wall. Um, but because of that, because I mean, your older brother kind of dictates everything that that you wear and everything. You're just you know he's, he's the your idol growing up. 
Um, so I would always have a red Jofa bucket. I would always have a flurry Titan curve on the stick and like, uh, and I got to say, I mean, it, it worked to perfection. I, there was one year I scored six goals. Ah. So that's pretty good for me. Pretty solid. That's not bad. That's pretty good. So. You, you're a good coursey guy. I, I was a role player. Yeah. You well, know. know who wasn't, though? Flurry. We got to get to this interview. <laughs> this guy, I mean, I, I'm going to attempt to read off some of his accomplishments, but if I did all of them, I, we would be here all night. Uh, he is a Olympic gold medalist, a world junior gold medalist, a Stanley Cup champion, he is the winner of the Canadian Humanitarian Award and the Queen's Jubilee Medallion. Now, what, do you, what is that, you might ask? It's awarded to individuals who have made a significant contribution to Canada. I guarantee you that's not us. But Theo Fleury, he has that medallion. Uh, he's played over 1,000 NHL games, over 1,000 points. Without further ado, our stellar interview with, in my opinion, future Hall of Famer, Theo Fleury. Very happy to welcome to the show... Longtime NHLer, an absolute beauty, a classic across the country. Everyone knows this man's name. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Theron Flurry. How you doing, Theo? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, doing all right, buddy. Doing all right. Uh, so I, I mean, you know, why don't we just dive in uh, right back at the uh, at the starting point here? Uh, let's go back to 1987, and this is one of my favorite YouTube clips <laughs> of all time. You know what's coming. Uh, you guys had the brawl of all brawls uh, with the Soviet Union at the World Juniors. And I just, I just I want to know, because you can't really tell much from what's going on in the video. It's almost like a security cam footage up on the corner. Um, mm. what, what, what sparked everything? And then what, what just brought absolute hell from there? What, what took things up a notch? Well, I, I don't think that everybody realizes that, you know, that type of behavior was happening every single night in the Western Hockey League. So, you know, there was either a bench-clearing brawl or, you know, a line brawl in every single game that I played for four years in the Western Hockey League, okay? And so, you know, that incident was no different than, you know, what was happening on a regular basis, other than the fact that, you know, it happened at the World Junior, and... uh you know, it's just one of those things, you know, you get 40 teenagers playing for one of the biggest prizes in the world and, you know, a little bit more, too much testosterone and, uh, you know, you don't have developed brains yet and, uh, you know, that's what happens. Things get a little heated. Uh, yeah. Nice. Okay. Uh, so, I mean, obviously, it's it, it's a classic clip. If you haven't seen it, check it out on YouTube. Something that I'm... Very feeling very confident saying you'll never see again in international play. No, 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 not a no. chance. It was it imagine was, if that happened like right now. Oh my gosh, it'd be chaos. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone would wow. drop everything. Yeah, they'd head to bomb shelters. Nobody would know what to do with themselves. Uh, yeah, just this absolutely incident, crazy. This incident happened 32 years ago, and we're still talking about it. So. Yeah. Oh man, it was it was crazy. Um, okay, so why don't we move on a little bit? That year just gets absolutely crazier for you because you go 166th overall in the draft to the Calgary Flames. Uh, an, an awesome start to the career. I mean, obviously you get to stay home uh, in your home country. There, uh, you get uh, brought up and you're in a Cup final before you know it by 1989. How key were those first few years bouncing back and forth uh, with the NHL and AHL for you? Well, I played in the old International Hockey League, so the the Iron the Iron League, so 
we went to beautiful destinations like Muskegon and uh, Peoria, Illinois, and uh, oh, the City of Lights, Flint, Flint Michigan, and uh, so yeah, it was an interesting uh, um, couple of months to you know start my pro career. But uh, you know, my plan was never to be down there uh, for a long period of time, and uh, you know, obviously, we had a great team in Salt Lake. We had a lot of talent, a lot of tough guys, and you know, it was a good mixture between career guys that played in the minors and then us young guys uh you know guys like paul ranheim myself and um mark bureau and marty's um mark what is his name samard you know we had a lot of you know a good mix of guys and so we had a lot of success and it led directly to my success and uh you know january 1st 1989 i got called up uh to the calgary flames i was leading uh IHL and scoring and so yeah get called up to Calgary and then six six months later carrying the Stanley Cup around you know the Montreal Forum which was you know pretty incredible stuff oh absolutely man now I mean and we'll get to more of your success in Salt Lake City in just a moment but um yeah 1989 you hoist the cup you join the likes of you know Doug Gilmore Al McInnes Gary Roberts uh, Lanny McDonald you know had Dougie Gilmore stuck around um, I mean, you guys, you guys lost a few other pieces here and there, but like, you know, the marquee name Gilmore went on to have a great career. Um, had he hung around a little longer, do you think that success would have continued a little bit longer? I mean, you guys were still in the conversation every year, um, yeah. but you're, you know, just that missing a marquee piece like Gilmore. I feel like that, that might've helped a little bit. <laughs> no question. Um, you know, I think after we won the cup in 89, you know, we lost, uh, Lanny retired uh Poplinski retired mm-hmm. you know and that was a big huge part of our leadership group and so um it took us quite a while to um you know find that you know that captain and that leader that was going to take over and, and I don't think we I don't know I don't think we ever did and so you know there's a huge gap in there and then you know with with all the playoff um you know, disappointments, then they started to dismantle the team. And, uh, you know, we, we, you know, the Calgary Flames probably made one of the worst trades in the history of the NHL. You know, when we traded Dougie Gilmore and Jane McCown and Rick Natras and Rick Walmsley, uh, you know. So, mm-hmm. you know, that really, I think, set the fr- franchise back a long, long time when they made that trade because I think, you know, because obviously Dougie went to Toronto and led those guys to two conference finals and, you know, they almost won the Stanley cup there. So, you know, so yeah, it was, it was a difficult time. It was a difficult thing to go through. And, you know, Dougie was my centerman and, you know, the two of us had a lot of success in the couple of years that we played together. So, you know, it was, it was, uh, it was a tough time for sure for the franchise. Yeah, man. Now, I mean, playing with Calgary in the '90s, I'm trying to think of like a, an example that would that would rank up there. Maybe like Gretzky and Edmonton, sort of thing. Just kind of like a, not a huge market, a, a very marquee name, very recognizable guy walking around. Um, you know, he he can't get from A to B without taking a hundred photos first. I feel like you would have been the same way in Calgary, mid '90s. Like you you were king of that city, uh, and I feel like I mean you were almost like a like on a Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker level. I mean, I don't think you could have gone 10 feet without 
being pulled aside for an autograph. How did the the fame uh, hit you in a day-to-day life in Calgary during that period of time? You know, when I got to Calgary, not only were you expected to be a great hockey player, player for the franchise, but you were also expected to be a good citizen for the community too. And so, you know, right from day one, you know, we were always out in the community. We we're always doing stuff and giving back and, and all that. And so, you know, I think for the most part, because we were very visible in the community and, you know, well, there was only 550,000 people that lived in Calgary at that time. So, you know, it had the feel of a, you know, a small town sort of junior hockey kind of vibe to it. And so, you know, there's one, 1.2 million people that live in Calgary now. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's a totally different time, but yeah, you know, it was, and, and, that, you know, people were very respectful and, and uh, you know, they, they left us alone when, when we needed space and, and all that. But, you know, like I said, we were always expected to be a bar, part of the community and, you know, it's probably one of the biggest reasons, uh, you know, next to my kids all living in Calgary was probably the biggest reason why, you know, I decided to retire in Calgary was, was because of that fact alone that uh, the Calgary community is a very giving community. It's very charitable orientate, oriented and uh, yeah, it's it's just a really great place to live and, and uh, you know, raise a family. You know, like you say, the population pretty much has doubled since then. Uh, you know, another feather in the cap. You should be pretty proud of the fact that probably a lot of those kids were conceived following a nice Calgary Flames win. So <laughs> it's not too bad. Um, so I, I want to move on a little bit to uh, Salt Lake City. You guys win gold at the Winter Olympics there. Uh, just an incredible run. You know, the toonie under the ice. Uh, just a tremendous story all around. What stands out for you? I mean, obviously winning a gold medal, that's pretty amazing. But what was your greatest individual memory from that run? Jeez, I think the whole experience was, you know, I think after 98, the disappointment of 98, you know, we're bringing our first sort of dream team to, you know, the Olympics and, you know, obviously losing in a shootout kind of sucked. Yeah. But, you know, I think it helped us prepare for 2002 and, you know, Gretz was, you know, the, the king piece, uh, for it all. And, uh, yeah, it was just, it was an unbelievable experience all the way around. And, uh, you know, we, we struggled at the beginning of the tournament, but the tournament was set up for, for us to just kind of go through the motions in the first three games to position ourselves and get ourselves ready for, you know, the playoffs and the, you know, the quarterfinal, semifinal, and final. And, uh, you know, once once the games started to mean something, you know, it was pretty much over for anybody who wanted to play against us. And, you know, we proved that fact. And, you know, that, that team was unbelievable. Anybody could have coached that team. You just opened the gate and let, let the guys go and do their thing. So there was so much, so much leadership, so much talent. Um, yeah, it was just a... A really cool experience to be in that dressing room, uh, you know, for two weeks. Yeah, I can only imagine. Yeah, you guys were absolutely stacked with talent. It was incredible to watch. Uh, now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fast forward a little bit. You had uh, some years in Colorado, New York, Chicago, and uh, some ups and downs, and, and you covered it uh, to a great extent uh, in your book, Playing With Fire, a great read, by the way. 
And, uh, I mean, with Christmas on the way, I mean, head, head online or head down to your local bookstore. A great book, by the way. Just throwing that out there. Uh, but I want to talk about playing pro hockey in Belfast, Ireland. Mm. Yeah. What was that experience like, and how did that compare to playing pro hockey on this side of the water? Well, the hockey wasn't very good. <laughs> like, I mean, the play, the actual play. But the life experience was absolutely incredible, you know. Um you know, the fans were phenomenal, fantastic. We played in a brand-new rink uh, right downtown Belfast, actually right across the street from where they built the Titanic. And uh, so, yeah, there was all kinds of really cool stuff. And, and uh, you know, I would probably compare the league to, you know, really good senior A hockey in Canada here. And so, you know, I, I – I went there more for the life experience than to, you know, than the hockey experience and, uh, you know, had an amazing time, met some really incredible people and, uh, you know, got to see a lot of history, uh, you know, while I was over there. Yeah. You, you've always struck me as a guy that, that puts life experience, you know, up near the top of the, uh, the priority list there. And, and, that, and that's a fantastic thing. I mean, I was talking to uh, former NHL Sean Pronger not long ago and, and he said he loved his time playing in Europe and bouncing around over there. It was just an incredible experience. Um, now, you like to try your hand at different things. Uh, you've started a clothing line. You played a few games of professional baseball. And now we have a country album. Can we, can we talk about the album a little bit and where the inspiration came from? Well, I grew up around music my whole entire life. So my family is incredibly musical. And, you know, my grandpa was a fiddle player. My dad was a guitar player uncle was a guitar player so you know i had a a first cousin finished in the top 10 of canadian idol one year so you know music was you know is a part of our dna and so you know after i I was retired you know i called up one of my buddies who um, our dad used to play music together before we were even born and he's in the music industry and so i called him up and said you know I need to stroke something off my bucket list. I go, would you write a song with me? And so, you know, I went to Winnipeg and started writing with this guy. And then one of my old drinking buddies here in Calgary, uh, he's a musician. And so, you know, between the three of us, uh, you know, we wrote a bunch of songs and picked the 10 best songs and put them on an album. And, you know, we've been doing some, some live shows, you know, here and there. And, uh, you know, right now we're we're back in the studio, uh, you know, writing the second album. I love it, buddy. Any uh, Commodore dates coming up? You coming to Vancouver? Uh, no, no. You know, we, we mostly do this as a hobby and for fun. You know, if people call, yeah, we'll show up. But, uh, you know, we... Uh, I, I think one of our songs was uh, in the top ten on... Uh, aboriginal radio a few years back so nice. you know but mostly you know we do it for fun it's a hobby and a uh, good way to get together we do a lot of charity events actually more than more than anything else and you know that's that's fine with us and you know i got a good group of guys and you know we love hanging out together and it's almost like a dressing room type of atmosphere everybody's lipping off and you know <laughs> trash talking so it's, it's a lot of fun i love it man uh, well, 
Theo, we, we, we got to wrap it up. I can't thank you enough. This is the, the second time I've had the honor of chatting with you, and uh, it's an absolute pleasure. A legendary player, a tremendous interview, and an all-around fantastic person. Thank you so much, Theo. Thanks, Ryan. Take care, buddy. Talk to you soon. Okay, man. Bye. Green Men Radio and Sportsnet 650. Adam and Ryan with you. Uh, just heard a great interview with Theo Fleury. Sully, nicely done there, asking some tough questions, getting to the thank bottom you. of... Oh, I was grilling him. Oh, yeah. My right and center. I <laughs> uh, can't thank him enough for, uh, for joining us today and, again, making time like he has throughout his career for us. Awesome, awesome guy. And uh, just he's had a, a difficult life. And it kind of it showed in that interview with you. Yeah, he's had ups and downs, and 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 in past interviews, I mean, we we've kind of dove deeper and stuff like that. But I, you know, we keep keeping this uh, the first episode this, of Green exactly. Man Radio. We gave this pretty upbeat and and just focusing more on his accomplishments. And and he's got a hell of a lot of them, as you heard there, and especially in your intro, Adam, uh, the the Jubilee Medallion. I had no idea. Cool. Uh, but uh, no, a, a guy that just strikes you as a. a you know, someone that just, he, he's lived a life, he's done it all, and now he just wants to have a good time. Uh, I mean, like he was saying, he went to play hockey in Ireland just for life experience. He's played a couple of pro baseball games over in Calgary with the Vipers. Uh, you know, he's got a country album out now. Like, he's just, he's just enjoying life, and it, uh, it's cool to see, man. And, but I, I, I do have a question for you before uh, we head to break here yeah, real quick. Sure. Um, because we, we were talking about how it's kind of retro week. And last segment, we were talking uh, with J.T. Miller there mm-hmm. and uh, brought up sudden death. And, and you chirped me a little bit afterwards. That's okay. What is your favorite? I want to say sports, but I want to say hockey. Sports and hockey. Sports and hockey. Uh, sports is easy. Sandlot. Maybe my favorite mm, movie of all time. Nice, nice. Okay. Yeah, you're killing me, Smalls. Yeah. And hockey-wise, I'm going to go most valuable primate. There it is. All right. Beautiful. <laughs> I was waiting for like a the routine slap shot to come out. But. No, uh, in all honesty, because I I probably watched it on repeat as a kid. Uh, Mighty Ducks one or two. Okay. Once, yeah. once they go to college, get out of here. Yeah, I yeah. Need, I don't need a Paul Korea cameo. You can't go wrong. No, but you know, one and two were clutch. Do you know I auditioned for like slap shot four or something like that? Like Goldberg. No, what was he in slap shot? <laughs> and uh, it was like I walked in. They're like, so have you played uh, professional hockey? And I was like, well, I I almost had a tryout in the ECHL. True story. And um, and then behind me were like Evander Kane and like a few other giants, and I was like, you know what? I'm not getting this part. This is not happening. Do you know who the star of the Slapshot sequel was? Wasn't one of the Baldwins? It was. Yeah, Stephen Baldwin. There you go. Useless trivia. We're full of it. Yeah. Uh, coming up, we are going to turn things over to the listeners because we want to hear from you on Twitter at the Green Men at Adam Forsyth and at Sullivan Vancouver. Ask us questions. We will answer them in the next segment. We will be back. Green Man Radio right here on Sportsnet 650. Green Man Radio with Adam Forsyth and Ryan Sullivan continues on Sportsnet 650. Brought to you by PastimeSports.ca. Welcome back. It is the final half hour of Green Men Radio. Adam Forsyth, Ryan Sullivan with you, a.k.a. Sully and Force. Our first episode nearing its conclusion, and we've had a lot of fun. J.T. Miller joining us earlier in the show, breaking down his early days with the Canucks and looking back at his career. And for this segment, we wanted to open up to the fans because so many people in our lives ask us all these obscure, random Green Men questions. We thought, well, why don't we just like air them all out? Air the dirty laundry. Yeah. And this is going to be that last half hour of the show where 
Ask us whatever you want at the Green Men on Twitter, at Adam Forsyth, and at Vancouver, and we will get to your questions, and we will answer them, and hopefully have some funny anecdotes along the way. Can I throw a spoiler out there real quick? Sure. Just because you know, there's, there's two questions that we always, always get. Every game we've gone to, anytime we're in the suits, wherever, two questions. And let's just answer them now and get them out of the way, because right. we're always asked, can you breathe in there? Yes. If we couldn't breathe in there, well, this would have ended quite quickly. <laughs> so, and then the other one is, can you see in there? Not very well. Not very well whatsoever. No. Walking around, like, the concourse and stuff was, like, just, I was blind. I felt so bad. We knocked over so many beers and, like, pops yeah. and popcorns during the day. Down by the ice, it wasn't too bad because it was, like, bright and we were front row. Well, in Vancouver, not too bad. Yeah. But we, so we went into uh, Nashville, enemy territory, for the playoff run there. And what did they do? It was, like, a double overtime game. And we were 10, 15 rows up. That stadium's pretty dark to begin with. We sat in darkness for, like, five straight hours. So, yeah, on the road, it's a little rough. The only time we could react was when the goal horn, or like there wasn't even a goal horn, actually. No, yeah, like exactly. When the crowd went quiet, and you could hear the duck players <laughs> yelling. So. Yeah, but uh, anyways, yeah, I'd, not that these questions upset me or anything, just we're always asked them, so I just want to throw it out there. All right, well, those questions weren't asked to us so far, oh, so that's well, good. You're jumping ahead. It there was, we go. Why not? But people would have asked them. I, I feel like they I know. We got have. a bunch more episodes sure. to go. We got a bunch of stories to tell. So let's jump into Twitter Q&A again. Thank you to everyone who's reached out so far. Again, at the Green Men, if you want us to read your Twitter questions. Uh, we will start off with uh, at Rich Brown Sports. Uh, that is a local uh, sports guy because he's asking us about a local thing we did. What was your most memorable stop you had during the Green Men retirement tour? Ah, uh, very interesting. Yeah, so... Let's rewind a little bit here. In our final year, uh, we teamed up with a local airline that just flies throughout BC exclusively. And uh, basically, we, we went to a bunch of WHL barns, went to a bunch of BCHL barns, even like Junior B, Junior C. I don't know. We, we went we to some beer league games. Yeah, we were just at a random rodeo. No, none of that. But like we, you know, it was we went to each uh, different city and like met the fans. Uh, got to do some fundraising for Canadian Cancer Society while we were there. And uh, it was just a, it's a really great thing. There were 10 stops on the tour. And then by the time we got back, we hit our last Canuck game. It was a great way to wrap it up. Uh, so anyways, now, now you know the story. Uh, our most memorable stop for me, I loved Campbell River. And, right. and, and I'll oh, give Vancouver you... Island. Yeah, yeah. And I'll give you a couple of points there. We did a puck drop with the mayor. The whole city came out. Like it was, it was a one-sided barn, but it was a pretty high-stacked uh, five, couple tiers there. people. Yeah, but it was Sorry, it, River. <laughs> but it was awesome, man. It was it was great. The whole town came out. Everyone was super stoked. Uh, the team couldn't have been nicer and better to us. We were splashed across both their newspapers the next day. And maybe the best, most underrated part of it all was this was just when Target was closing their Canadian doors, and there was a Target in Campbell River, and we got to cash in on those ten dollar T shirts because nobody does a better T shirt selection than Target. That is true. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was trying to think, like, is there anyone else? <laughs> no, it's Target. It's Target. They're all 50-50s. They know the deal. They know what's There's up. There's no 100% cotton in that store. Uh, so that's how you know you can win Ryan Overs if your city has a Target. So we've got to go to, like, Bellingham, Washington State. 50-50s. If you can give me a tri-blend with the rayon or the bamboo. Oh. <laughs> have you had a, Hemp? the bamboo fabric touch your skin? No, I have not. It's like the first time I heard the Beatles. Oh, boy. That's, that's a line from Superbad, but it's but it's <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, 
Yeah, the tour was so much fun. Uh, thanks for the question, Rich. We we went to a bunch of different cities, as as Sully mentioned, and we kind of would just like work our Monday to Friday job and then jet set out on Friday night, fly into a city, attend a WHL game, and we got to do a lot of puck drops. And looking back, it was like ridiculous. Like in, in the Kootenays, yeah. Remember, it was Sam Reinhart, Buffalo Sabre star, and Leon Dreisaitl, Edmonton Oilers star. And they had to do a ceremonial face-off for two guys wearing green suits. <laughs> like, can you imagine how mad they must have been? They're like, the guy's like, I am the fourth overall pick in the draft, and I'm the second overall pick in the draft, and I got these two idiots. It was. Yeah. Did you want to hear like something like very impressive about that though? Is that we? Uh, um, so yeah, we who nobody would have thought it, but we attended two Victoria Royals and two, or sorry, three Kelowna Rockets games that year because we did the Memorial Cup as mm-hmm. well. And the Victoria Royals captain, who was a beauty. Yeah, I remember yeah. like the third face-off we did. Uh, and you're like, you know what? I'm going for the hug. So you do the traditional drop-the-puck handshakes, yeah. and everyone was very confused. What was his name? Uh, Hicketts. Joe Hicketts. Hicketts, yeah. yeah. I Red, got the Red photo, man. And uh, yeah, so no, no more formalities. No more handshakes. We're going in for the hug ahead of a big WHL game when you're trying to be drafted in the first round. Nothing beats a good H-U-G, my friend. As for my favorite... Stop. I'm going to go with trail because it's just a very big Italian community. We roll in there and the players are having their pregame meal and we are rolling sans green suit. We are just dressed like normal human beings. And all the, these the old Italian women are volunteering and made this like lasagna, Caesar salad, buns, everything, this giant spread and them and the coach and the PR are like players, everyone stop talking. The green men have arrived. <laughs> Then we had a bunch of like 17, 18 year old kids just like staring at us, like, what are you guys doing here? What is this? We weren't in the green suits. No. It was very weird, very uncomfortable. And then we like lunch line <laughs> in the cafeteria, went and like scoop some lasagna, scoop some salad. And then we we're just like sitting at a table by ourselves. Yeah. Surrounded by all the jocks. It was like that. You remember that commercial a year ago with like William Nylander and, and Doug Gilmore, where like the old guys are eating the pasta? And it's like nobody got the memo in trail. And there's a reason they got pasted that night. Because the team was just dying on carbs. There was just like giant vats of spaghetti noodles around. And yeah, it, it was, was a, delicious. It was but. a tough season for trail. That was near the end of their season. But yeah. then we went and hit up a karaoke bar after it just made everything better. Yeah, that was delightful. It was a fun night. Uh, thank you for the question, Rich. Again, at the Green Men on Twitter, at Adam Forsyth, at Silla Vancouver. You're listening to Green Men Radio on Sportsnet 650. First ever episode. And we are counting it down. Our final segment right now, a little Twitter Q&A. Thank you for the questions. Let's go to another travel story. At Thomas Franco, he says, I remember when you visited us in Bakersfield, California, what was it like to experience an ECHL game? It, you know, I think you could experience a lot of ECHL barns, and they'd be like, well, that's not that great. But Bakersfield Condors, they're known for putting on a show. That year, they had, uh, what's the guy's name, Eric Connolly? E from Entourage. E yeah. from Entourage. Not, his name's not Eric. Yep. Is it Eric? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, I can't think of it. But anyways, uh, yeah, no, and, and so, like, you know, he was there a week before, and then we come in, so the stage was kind of set. We've got to draw a crowd here. And that night was a high school football game just down the road. So they had a sellout crowd the night before. They had a back-to-back homestand, and uh, we got maybe half the barn filled, so that was a little demoralizing. And then they stuck us right behind the bench, which was cool, but we said, like, yeah, we're usually by the penalty box. And they're like, no, no, behind the bench is where you want to be. And an older gentleman came up to us later in the game. He's like, I drove eight hours to be here. Was he a prospector? (laughs) And I thought you would be funnier. And then he just walked off into the distance. Yeah, he straight up like into the mist. It might have been a ghost. 
It probably was a ghost. Yeah. A Bakersfield ghost. Uh, yeah, it was an interesting experience. It was pretty cool that they were willing to, like, fly us down. And we I think we went, like, landed in San Francisco and then to Bakersfield. There's a couple of hops. Took, like, a prop plane over to Bakersfield. Yeah, yeah, which was a little interesting. And you're right. They did have, like, they had Star Wars night and they had it all. They had the... the Famous blooper of the condor, the actual giant condor at Center Ice that flipped out and like jumped into the benches. But yeah, we're, they were playing a team from Idaho, and no one really knew what we were doing. We were behind the bench, and we had like our only prop because we didn't have anything planned was just a giant bag of potatoes because we were playing <laughs> a team from Idaho. We just like were yelling at their backup goalie the entire night. Yeah, uh, it was a little confusing. It was a little bit. Looking back, I think what we should have done early on in our tenure was we should have taken, like, promotional photos. And I know that's going to sound a little, you know, maybe egotistical, but no, 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 because they did, I still remember, they did not have a photo of us, and I still have that magnetic schedule somewhere, and so they didn't have a photo of the Greenman. I guess they just found this thing online, like a Halloween website, and it was like a father and his child in green suits. <laughs> so I don't know what people were expecting when we went down I totally there. I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, I got to try in and out for the first time on that trip. That was fun. There you go. Uh, actually, it's a highlight. We the hotel they put us up at, the Idaho team was also there. So we were just kinda like hanging out in the hot tub, having some drinks that night. And then these two like young youngsters pop in. We're like, hey, what's going on, guys? Oh, we're in town for an ECHL game. We play for Idaho. I'm the backup goalie. I'm like, I'm so sorry about what's going to yeah. happen to you tomorrow. He looked like he was six years old. I didn't know if he could be in the hot tub without his parents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like he says he's the backup goalie. It's like, oh my gosh, Isn't I wasted my youth. Huh? Isn't it past your bedtime? Yeah. It's like 8.30. Yeah. I We had to keep the jets off, you know. Apparently, isn't that's a thing that they always have on the sign. No. For pregnant women, maybe. Or did, I, did I take the joke too far? Maybe <laughs> I did. Um, all right, let's keep things rolling. Uh, thank you for the question at Thomas Franco. And sorry, we didn't mean to make fun of Bakersfield so much. Uh, should we go for the next one? I like uh, at Chris McManus, because uh, this one does get asked. Uh, a lot of people ask us this question. Which player had the best reaction when they were in the penalty box to our antics. There were some some pretty epic moments. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Milan Lucic in the final. And uh, Lucic could not have been a bigger beauty. I know some people in Vancouver, you know, they have their mind made up on this guy, uh, even though he's a hometown boy. But to us, like, I mean, it, he was just hilarious. He sat down. It was right because he got a penalty right at the end of one of the periods. And so he came back in early on while teams were still skating around to start the next period. Um, and I had this like witch's nose. I was making fun of the size of Milan's nose. And, and, um, and I looked in and I'm like, Milan, is this, this is about the right size? And he looks at me and he's like, no, 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 it's got to be a lot bigger than that. And he did it like with his fingers, like you're doing like a, like a finger gun kind of thing. And, uh, anyways, the television cameras caught that. And he's like showing how small my nose is compared to how large his nose is. And it just looks like he's miming something else to me. And we got shredded. Uh, by Boston Media after that. Uh, they were loving the Lucic clip. But anyways, for me, yeah, I'm going to say Lucic. I thought he was an absolute beaut. Yeah, that was pretty cool. And again, like 2011 Stanley Cup final, and he's having a conversation with us in the penalty yeah. box. Like, he knew what, what our gig was. We were there to entertain. And yeah. He's, he's Mar- Marshand had a couple uh, nice interactions that series too. Yeah, he was a little bit more. <laughs> I can't repeat those on, on radio, on Green Man Radio. But yeah, he definitely, he sprayed us with a water bottle through a little crack in the glass a couple of times. Yeah. But hey, that's... That's what it is. That's so what, what, I, I stole the thunder there. What, what is your favorite? Uh, there's so many. I kind of liked our, our, 
our interaction with Mike Commissarek, and that was the day of the famous waffle prop game, that, and Commissarek was not in the box for that. But Commissarek was on the 2010 U.S. Olympic team that won silver because Sidney Crosby scores the gold medal goal, Canada wins. So we are, and this is 2011, and so we're like, you know what, we're going we're gonna to give Commissarek the years that he won silver. And so we just start tearing into him and ripping him apart. We're like, ah, you were like the seventh defenseman. What a joke. And he just turns to us and says, boys, I don't know why you're making fun of me. I love it. Like, our team watches all your, like, YouTube videos. It's just, like, <laughs> shut us up. I didn't know what to do. They're, like, the complete flip. It's like a troll on Twitter where, like, they heckle you, heckle you, heckle you. And then as soon as you respond, they're like, oh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We love you guys. And nobody ever says that back to me. No? No, they just keep going with the heckling. <laughs> okay. But one day. And, yeah, yeah that's kind of how it went down. Is Thomas Eric was a beauty. All right. Still uh, is. Thank you so much for everybody who sent in those Twitter questions. We'll be doing this segment every week. Uh, we have plenty of stories to tell. We want you guys to ask, what, what do you guys want to hear? We want to know uh, one more time. We're plugging it a lot, but at the Green Men on Twitter, at Adam Forsyth, and at Sullivan Vancouver, you tweet us. We will read them on Green Men Radio right here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, final few minutes of our first ever episode. We had the JT Miller interview. We had the week's highlights. We've had Twitter Q&A, and I thought, uh, let's do something dumb. And again, get the Twitter audience involved because I want you guys to tweet your ideal lineups at us. Uh I, I, I pose this question to you, Sully. Mm-hmm. What would be the all-time best Canucks lineup of players who played less than 100 games for Vancouver? And I'm not, I'm not talking like once they left, they then went and ripped it up. Uh-huh. Who was the most memorable Canucks? Who played the best in under 100 games? Uh, see, I thought it was 100 games or less. Because I have one guy here that played 100 on the nose. I will make the exception this one time. Okay, okay, that's but fair. But for the Twitter people who are going to play along... No. Okay. Right. No. Yeah, we're going to make you some strict guidelines here. All right, let's do some forwards up top. Uh, who who do you have as your first forward who played less than 100 games for the Canucks but was, was On the stud? left side, he played 45 games between 02 and 03, one assist, 143 pims. I love him, Darren Langdon. Darren Langdon. He was a gem. He did have a – there was that one little stretch, almost like how Jeff – Cowan? Cowan, Jeff Cowan, the Brombarian. Yeah. yeah, how yeah. he had that stretch where he had like five goals in a couple of games. Langdon did the same thing. It was like, I think, three and three. Everyone yeah, no, Lang- yeah Langdon wasn't, uh, he wasn't known for his points. Langdon was like, did you ever see uh, Rocky Three with the Mr. T? He would just wait for guys to get tired in a scrap, and yeah. then he would turn it on. Rope-a-dope. Yeah, he would just, he would sacrifice his face, his his body, everything, and then he would turn it on. Um, good Newfie boy. Beauty. Yeah, that's a good pick. All right. Uh, mine's a little bit more maybe m- mainstream. I should have gone with kind of lesser-known guys, but this guy was awesome for the Canucks. Uh, rest in peace, Pavel Dimitra. Yes. Uh, he played just under the 100 barrier. He played 97 games. He had 69 points, and he was clutching the playoffs when the Canucks needed them. He had nine points in 17 games. Yeah. He was great. Like, he was – him and Matt Sundin were kind of those low-key, like, oh, yeah, they played for the Canucks. Yeah. And he was fun to watch. He was an ageless wonder, man. It, it was like he, like he was in St. Louis again. Like, he never lost a step out there. He still had the speed, still had the hands. I was a big fan. All right, who do you got for your second player? Uh, okay, well, at center, I mean, this is a throwaway because this is not obscure at all, but I figured my team has to have some points because once you hear the rest of my lineup, you're going to know why I took this guy. Um, so, I mean, Pedersen's at the faceoff dot for me. He's played 71 games, uh, 66 points, 28 goals, 38 assists. I know that it's, you know. So current Canucks. Yeah. All right. 
Yeah. So, well, I mean, I thought we were just going 100 or less. So I threw him in there just because I need points. That's the only reason okay. I threw him in, okay? Um, why, why don't I, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you my lineup. Sure. And then you'll see why I need right. points. Because if that is the case, I'm going Pedersen, Hughes, Demko. Damn it. Yeah, I should I switch. That, that's all right. I should switch that up. I okay. specify, again, Twitter rule, not for Sully, for Twitter rule. Okay. All right. <laughs> we got, we, we got uh, Essa Tikkanen on the right side. Played 100 games. A pick. 100 games on the nose. 25 goals. 39 apples, 80 pims. This guy still had it, man. And I've heard some legendary stories about his time in Vancouver where he just did not care. No. Like, he was going to party. He was going to show up when he wanted to show up. Yeah. That is a great pick. The finish wonder, the ticker. Uh, I did not have him, but I did go with a one-season wonder, Anson Carter. Oh. Right? I mean, one season. Yeah. He played with the Sedins. Uh, he's got to be on the list somewhere. I, I agree with that. It is weird. With, he played with the scenes. He had 33 goals and 22 assists. There's something kind of like oh, serendipitous about that. Yeah. But And the weird one, you think that season, first line with the Sedins, well, no, they still had like Naslin and I, I believe Bertuzzi was still around at that point. So he was second line. He, he was averaging only 14 minutes a game. Yeah. So to put up 33 goals in that time frame, I was like, all right, he's, he's cracked my list. It's impressive, man. Because he had the, uh, the red into the black jerseys, those thirds with the silver numbers. Yeah. I was a fan of those. All right. My other forward, Rafi Torres, beast in the playoffs. Enough said about him. I mean, I just loved he he embodied what the 2011 Canucks were. Uh, the blue line. Uh, I will rattle off my two picks, Jeff Brown and Brian McCabe. Brown playing parts of three seasons with Vancouver, huge part of the 94 run, and then McCabe simply because by trading him, we got one of the Sedins. That's true. You're not wrong. Um, somebody put a McCabe jersey on Facebook Marketplace recently, actually. An old school white whale uh, Brian McCabe, but they asked and how much did you pay for? They it? asked ninety dollars. I was like, that's a, that's a reach deep right there. Mm. That's a hefty one. I don't know. That's a reach, but um, but I do have the. I still have the Brian Allen jersey, which is pretty sweet. But anyways, on my defense, I have Grant Ledyard, played ninety seven to ninety eight. Most notably, his probably career highlight is when he tripped over the blue line uh, against Edmonton in the playoffs. We all remember that uh, when Marchant came in, scored the winner. Uh, anyways. Not known for his points, but I was a small child. He lived in my neighborhood. He donated $20 to my runathon. What a nice guy. <laughs> All right. There you go. And Thanks, then on the Brian. other side, the other side, Willie Huber, the German sensation of 87 to 89. I have no idea who this guy is. No, I've never heard of him. 35 games, 14 points on the blue line, 40 pims. Sounds like he was making a difference out there. That's pretty solid. Willie Huber, welcome to the blue line, my friend. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I can get on board with that. And then uh, I figured I'd throw a couple of just missing the cuts in there. Uh, my goalie, by the way, uh, Corey Schneider, yours. Did you have one? Oh, yeah, you know, I went with the moose, Johan Hedberg. Oh, okay, that's solid. Loved yeah. him. All right, and then just missing the cut for me. There's a just because these guys are fun. Brian Noonan, Greg Hoggood, <laughs> Joseph Baranek. Yeah, Baranek. And Felix Potvin. Hey, when you're a kid in minor hockey, you just get the jersey they give you, the number. I had 42 one year. That was the Baranek year. Loved it. All right, we are, we got to get out of here. First uh, ever episode of Screen Man Radio is in the books. This was a lot of fun, and we're going to be doing a lot every Wednesday when there's not a Canucks or Vancouver Giants game. You can hear it right here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, closing thoughts, Ryan, to, to get us out of here. Uh, yeah, closing. Uh, I think this show was a success. I had a great time. Can't wait for the next nine episodes. And uh, in closing, you know, this show is a, it's a living organism. So if you want something heard on the show, if you want us to go into more deep stories, if you want better interviews, 
I'm sorry because we're the ones conducting the interviews, so they can definitely get better. But shoot us a note. We'd love to hear it. It's a living show. All right. Huge thanks to JT Miller for being our first ever guest. And that's a wrap. Let's have some fun. We will see you guys next week. Go Canucks go. See you.